Hello, and welcome to the SideQuest, your source for gaming news and discussion for both gamers and non-gamers alike. I'm your host, Micah. I'm your co-host, Josh. Hey, uh, we are talking about today a few different things. Uh, first off, we're going to be talking about should game critics be good at games? Um, maybe some things about how you can engage with your kid who's a gamer um, if you are not a gamer. Um, what keeps or kills multiplayer games? Um, then we're going to be talking about a few other things, uh, reflecting on a game called Dying Light and just kind of its journey, and uh, just a few other things. So um, welcome to... Uh, our first official episode. All right. Um, so Number Josh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Uh, so, Josh, how's uh, how's life going? Well, uh, other than King citations, but you, you know, it's it's fine. It's, it's than, everything's okay. Sorry, other than what? Citation. Uh, citation. A parking citation. It's not even a ticket. It's a citation. Oh, yeah, because that, that matters, right? That terminology. Hey, we're not going to ticket you because we're not the police. We're just going to give you a citation. Yeah. Oh. You know, every time I've gotten a ticket, they've called it a citation. So, yeah. <laughs> so just like, should I? Am, I? am I required to pay something that wasn't given to me by the police? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could take that up in court. So how'd you? That's too much work. <laughs> That's too much work. Yeah. How'd you get a citation? King in a place that I wasn't supposed to park, apparently, because oh. mm. I went back up to my college, my old college campus, to hang out with some friends, and so I just decided, oh, it's on the weekend, I can park on campus. That that was allowed when I was in college there, and then I got there, and suddenly that's not allowed as I walk over to my car at one o'clock in the morning, and there's a ticket on my windshield. So yeah. So so life has changed since you've left college is what you're saying. Time has moved on. Ah, they've they moved forward without me. Yeah. But you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> you never want to be stuck in college. I feel like getting stuck in high school would definitely be oh. like worst case scenario. Please no. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was uh I would be stuck in a uh, high school marching band uh well not marching band but high school band room. And that place smelled like sweat. Uh, can I not? Be that was a gross place. I remember that. Oh, dude, it was nasty. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, uh, nothing's new with me. So <laughs> we can go ahead and uh, jump into our first quest. Um, so, Josh, have you seen there is a video going around on the Internet of a guy playing the new Cuphead game uh, tutorial? And this Cuphead game is supposed to be a 2D kind of... Uh, look back on on the past of kind of it looks like a the old original uh, Mickey Mouse show um, and it's kind of a platform game so you do a lot of jumping uh, kind of like classic Mario I think I, I think I saw a gif of it on Reddit mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't actually seen the video for it right I, and I don't know if it's like a full video but that that's what I've seen as well it's just like a gif and uh, basically this guy is in the tutorial and can't get past it even though on the walls, like literally in the game world, like where he's jumping around and stuff, it tells him what to do and he can't figure it out. Um, turns out this guy is a professional game critic. Um, and, a and back when the, uh, original Mass Effect game, which is a, it's a sci-fi RPG 
when it first came out, he gave it scathing reviews. And the reason he gave it scathing reviews was because um, he did not know that you could level up. So he played the whole game as a level one character and never got any stronger or got any new stuff. And so he was just like, this game is so broken and all that. And so that made me just wonder, like, and of course the internet's also discussing this. Should game critics be good at games? What's your take? Uh, yes. First of all, I'm confused by the fact that you didn't know that you could level up in a video game. Right. Like you didn't, you didn't look for it. You just were like, Oh, this isn't giving me an option on my screen. So therefore I don't know how to level up and I'm just going to keep, but you would think that after a while, once you started getting like your butt handed to you mm. because the game was ridiculously difficult, that you'd be like, maybe let's stop and figure out a leveling up system. Well, and normally in games that are RPGs, they tell you in some form of like pop up or or maybe a message in like the top hand corner, hey, you can level up in this game. In fact, most games actually like stop you and are like, hey, you can level up. So I I haven't played the original Mass Effect, so I don't know if that happens. Um, sure. I wonder if he just like. I don't know. Maybe like it showed like, hey, you can now level up, and he just wasn't paying attention. I don't right. know, but the entire game as a level one and didn't like find a leveling up system mm-hmm. or like at least spend time looking for it. I I don't feel sorry for you. What's well, like? And ever pause the game? <laughs> Usually, when you pause the game, like it takes you to a menu of like your stats and level and up. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, well, I don't know. Here, here's what's interesting for me, though, is I feel like some people could get value from someone that bad. And the reason I say that is because I remember um, some old friends who never got past the tutorial in the Assassin's Creed game, the original, because it starts you out just kind of teaching you the mechanics of the game. And one of the mechanics is you have to walk past these this crowd of ladies holding these jars, and the point was to not knock the jars out of their hands. Now, if you just, isn't it just as simple as holding like B? It's as simple as holding like, the B button as you walk through. The problem was for whatever reason they didn't see that tip or they weren't reading it properly, and so they tried and tried and tried and it never worked, and so they just never played the game. And so I'm like, that sounds like a very similar situation. So I'm just wondering, like. Could a bad game critic who doesn't even understand video games give value to people who don't understand video games at all? Or is it is it a detriment? Because, I mean, this guy's saying this Mass Effect game sucks, and that could really hurt sales if people read his stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's so broken, like all these, all these problems with it. But really, it's a user error. Like, what do we do? I think that the only benefit to a bad game critic or like someone who is not good at video games being a game critic is that's basically information to the developer. So it's like maybe they could take that as kind of like a be clearer than we made it. And then for the next game or for their games in the future, they use this opportunity to kind of like clarify or make the points that they're trying to get across or the information they're trying to convey obvious yeah that's the only thing that i can think of being a good thing right because it could show like maybe that was a flaw or maybe that if someone who's so bad at video games can't figure out how to get past the tutorial 
then there might be a little bit of cleaning up and clarification we need to do on our part. But as far as everything else is concerned, I think that you probably should be good at video games if you're going to be a game critic. Right. I, I agree. And and to keep in mind, this isn't like a YouTube game critic or, or like a blogger. This is like a professional, you know, works on like a, a, like a company level game critic. Um, and I think that kind of also uh, holds some weight to this discussion because you would want your professional weatherman to understand how the weather works before he's telling you the weather. Um, yeah. You know, that's just part of the job. So it's interesting. Um, I think, you know, should we, should we like, okay, what about YouTube game critics? Like, should they also be good at games or is it, is it okay for them to not be? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Someone who's not particularly good at video games. The one thing that you can kind of say is like, take other aspects of the game. As far as gameplay is concerned, they should probably shut up. So like, (laughs) if you wanted, if you, the way that I think about it is like if you want a gaming critic and like your focus is gameplay, mm-hmm. like you are big into gameplay and making sure that the game functions perfectly and that everything works the way it's supposed to, uh, that it's it's easy to play. But I mean, as someone who plays video games, you may not be someone who's like that at understanding a good story. And so it could be beneficial for someone who actually like criticizes writing and actually criticizes like plot. So like someone who maybe even like a movie critic to come in and it's on the directing and voice acting and actual story of the game. I think that could be beneficial as well because if a game has a really, really bad story, it's not that fun to play either. Right. Well, and you know, I, I read a lot of reviews and watch a lot of reviews on YouTube. And so I've learned to take uh, for granted or, I, you know, I learned to to take each reviewer's different aspects um, kind of at certain different values. So some, some game critics, I, you know, like everything they say, I'm kind of like, OK, this is this aligns with my style you know this this aligns with my mentality um whereas some others like who don't like rpgs like at all you know they may basically tear apart an rpg but i understand they don't like rpgs so what they say i may not apply to my opinion or or, you know my my expectation um and so it's kind of like how uh zero punctuation just absolutely hates shooters like yes (laughs) yeah he's he's gonna tear apart a shooter but then Call of Duty has millions and millions and millions of sales. So, yeah, it, it it's a fun discussion, and I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, whatever you said. <laughs> no, um, a great recap. Yes, I basically said like if you're critic, bad critics can be beneficial because they could expose certain flaws in the beginning of the game and then that people who aren't completely attuned to video games could be beneficial in the video game reviewing industry because they could make comments they could they could better comment on story elements and writing and directing as far as like the overwhelming plots and in the story yeah they shouldn't be the ones commenting on gameplay right yeah is supposed to function so so 
there can be different types of critics can be beneficial to a game, but maybe not every aspect of the game. Um, but overall, we should just be very um, careful when we take critics and what they say. And really, you should know where they're coming from. I think I think that's kind of the big thing is a bad game critic should be open about that. Like, hey, I'm not good at games, but here's what I thought. I think at that point, it's okay because you know he's not good at games, so you may be missing out on something. The, the other thing you should just keep in mind is like not just taking one person's word Yes. So it's definitely. like when you when you go and see a good movie or when you're when you're trying to figure out if a movie's good or not, you go to Metascore and like Metacritic and it shows you a bunch of different reviews from different people mm-hmm. and so you can see that like some people really liked it and some people didn't. And so maybe it's like you want to read those middle ground reviews to see like if you're unsure like what some people were like, eh, I mean it's a good movie but it's not great." Like you yeah. find those kind of like more modest level entries I, I it's the same for it's the same for games like you just need to you need to make sure you're not just reading one person because then you can miss out on a game that you might have actually liked definitely which that kind of reminds me like apparently the it movie is getting great reviews so apparently that movie is actually really good i thought it's it was, metascore is like in the 70s yeah i thought it was is, gonna be bad i thought it was gonna be just like a cheap hey here's a name everyone knows let's make a stupid slasher movie but apparently it's like like has great kid actors um, and really focuses on like their development. So apparently, it's a very effective movie. So I may actually check it out now. Calling it, they're essentially calling it a coming of age movie with a bloodthirsty clown in it. Like that's that's what it is. They're like it's a great coming of age movie, and then there's a clown that kills children. Stranger so. Things. <laughs> it edition. <laughs> All the kids right. from Stranger Things is even in it. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I was like, oh yeah, they definitely did that on purpose. Um. So let's move on to our next quest. Um, and this is this is for you non-gamers, uh, spe- more kind of aimed at parents um, or maybe uh, fiancés if you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so what what I, you know something on my heart is allowing people to be a part of a gamer's world without having to really pick up a controller. Um, but more and more, what, what I mean is being able to d- have a discussion and a conversation with someone who, you know, it, it's kind of like when people read books, right? You want to be able to talk to them about what they're reading. And so you're like, oh, how, how's, how's the book reading going? And, and then they tell you how the book reading's going, or maybe they tell you part of the story. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to give y'all some ideas on how you can engage with your kid um, who is a gamer. And one of the things is basically coming in. Uh, while they're playing a game, you know, maybe watching them for like a minute or so and just asking, Hey, like what's happening right now? Like, what are you doing in this game? And they can tell you like, Oh, well, um, there's this evil bad guy and his men have, um, assaulted my town. And so I'm fighting those guys to get away from my town. And then, uh, yeah. And so you're like, Oh, cool. And then that, that's your discussion. And then you leave and you go and, uh, make dinner or whatever, (laughs) because the kid has to eat and he, you should actually make him cook, but that's a different discussion. Um, but then you need to learn how to do that. It'll yeah. it'll help them get wives. Oh, they will they will attract so many ladies or 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 men if they're women, uh, female gamers. Um, then the next day, right? You come in and he's playing the same game. Then you go. So how did f- taking your your town back go? Like, did you win or or was it tough or like what's happened now? And they're, then they're like, oh, well then. 
then this like fireball came out of the sky and you're like, now they're engaged with you. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, they remember what I was doing. Like now I can tell them more about the story. And now you are seeing something that interests them. And it basically gives you something else to ask them other than how did school go? Because I, as a kid never had an answer to how did school go? Cause I was bored. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like school too much. Did you? I mean, it was fine, but I was just ready to be home because most of the time I was just sitting at a desk waiting for the bell to ring because most of it would be teaching. And then, okay, here's a pamphlet of homework to do and you can do it now or you can do it at home and be like, okay, I'll do it at home. And then I'd just sit there and read and then go home and then never do the homework and then, and then do it the morning before class or something like that. Yeah. So I, 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 I like what you're saying. So like, mm-hmm to have some level of involvement uh i know you know growing up when when i was asked like what's happening in the game it's just an immediate like oh they like they they care about what i'm doing it's just like playing something like mario kart and they sit down with you because it's a simple game. It's a racing game. Like anyone can get behind it. Right. So you're just sitting down and just playing it like once. So it was like, this was cool. They, they made the attempt to come into my world and it means more than it leads on. Yeah. Well, and what's great about it is the more you talk to them about the same, you know, this thing, the more you're going to understand it and the more you can like put into it. Cause they may be talking about this one villain the whole time and the different evil things he's doing. You're like, this dude's a bad guy. You should take him down. So now you're rooting for your kid. And now he feels like a hero because now he's got actual people rooting for him. And so it, it equips you to actually have conversation with your kids that you can then be engaged in as well. And it's no longer, how did school go? I want to hear about your life. Just tell me things so I can then go, okay. You know, now it's like, oh, this is, this is what my kid is passionate about. Now I'm getting to see him in a, in a light that I never get to see. And I think it just, it gives you, it gives you something that you can both be talking about without you having to spend any time, uh, having to learn to play a video game or something. Now you're just having conversation. All right. Well, let's move on to one of our main quests for today. And, uh, this was from me playing a game last night that has multiplayer and it being practically empty. And it just made me wonder what makes a multiplayer game last and survive the, the, the basically the effects of more multiplayer games coming out or even single player games coming out. And so I just, I just thought it'd be cool to talk about what keeps a game alive after the first like week or two of the multiplayer coming out. Um, I know you play a lot of multiplayer games, specifically uh, League of Legends, Josh. So I don't know. Maybe you have some pretty good insights on this. So I do play a lot of League of Legends. Uh, a very I, Sometimes in the past it was, it was an issue with like way too much. But <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's a real important aspect of it is it just remaining every time you touch it. Mm. So one of the reasons why I like League of Legends so much is because there's 130-something champions, and so every time you go into a game, it's different. Right. Whereas, like, 
some games they just fall into like it just feels the same over and over and over again yeah uh hard to pull that off i that's one of the reasons why i like league in particular Mm -hmm. and it's something that's difficult to pull off especially for like shooters but if you have a shooter that's like based in something unique right that itself could kind of could could save it for a little bit well like the game i was playing that was absolutely dead was uh metal gear solid fives online and the game play just you have three versions of a stealthy person running around and it's on kind of smaller maps and you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again and so it's basically trying to sneak up on people and there wasn't a whole lot of content re-released for it, you know. Um, and so it was just kind of, you were playing the same thing over and over again. And there wasn't a whole lot of um, flair or bombast to really draw you in over and over. You really, you were either like gaining levels or you were just playing the game. And so there wasn't a whole lot to keep you coming back. Whereas something like... Uh, Pre, uh, player unknowns battlegrounds right each time you play you're landing in a different place uh the hell you know and and things are constantly different everything's randomized weapon wise and item wise and each time you play you don't know who you're going to interact with how you're going to interact um it's quick to action and and the way you play is kind of unique. You can either be sneaky and stealthy or you can be this, this like just murderous battle hardened crazy person who's running around shooting everyone. And so there's a lot of variety in that game. Whereas in Metal Gear Solid five, there was like no variety. And I think that's also a big part, just kind of like what you were saying with league of legends. There's constant variety because there's just hundreds of characters each with their own unique play style and and attributes and personalities it kind of reminds me of like one one online game that's even still popular today is uh for dead like really well left for i mean like if you go on steam if you were to log into left for dead 2 or anything like that yeah there's still people playing online and that game came out years ago it's been a while. So one of the things about that is like the, the multiplayer is, is different enough. So it's like you have the humans, uh, but it's the way that it interacts. So it's like you're, the map is the same, but you hit different. Like you won't ever encounter the same zombie in the same spot. Right. As, long as, as far as special infected are concerned but then also it's like players can be smarter than the ai and so they can do significantly crazier things and then like all the special infected could work together and try to take all of the humans out at one time so they can't fight back like it's it's just like there's a there's two different strategies happening and Mm -hmm. i and then the fact that it flips like if you're the humans one round you play the same map again and you'll be the special infected and it's like a 4v4 trying to get to the end of the campaign so it's 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 a very unique style of gameplay and very unique like multiplayer petition right. and so it's it's enough to keep it like it's fun for a very long time so something that's a little bit different would be something like uh, uh rainbow six siege that game is also 
almost growing in its player base after a year and a half now. And that, you, you have that variability, and they're constantly adding new content to it. Yes. So. That, and I think that is a big part, is adding content, constantly updating it, tweaking it. I mean, even... Uh, what is a huge multiplayer game? The one uh, Team Fortress Two, like they're constantly updating it. Uh, it seems like it's almost to a detriment. Like sometimes I think the original hardcore players are kind of, uh, I don't know, feeling ostracized. I can't remember. I just know there's a lot of controversy over that game kind of nowadays. But like with Siege, every time you play the game, the map and the different characters, like they're different characters each time. But at the same time. There, you know what that character is going to do, and there's there's a good variety of them, but it, not enough to not know what you're about to come up against. But the variety comes from one: the you can destroy aspects of the map. Um, but I think I think what it comes down to with that game is its gameplay. Uh, you're constantly just being able to like outsmart people or uh, play strategies that only work in this game because of its destruction aspects with the map. And so I think along with kind of this this variety of gameplay that we've been talking about, this variety of content, I think it also comes from the variety of how you can approach well, I guess we were talking about that with Pug, uh, President Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, with the variety of approaches. But I think that's a big part is your ability to play how you want to play. I think that really speaks to cons- uh, constant players. Yeah, uh, I I think that variety is the spice it, of life. Variety, <laughs> yeah, but it also uh, it also it's very like it builds strategy. So it's like with Siege, you have to know what each character is capable of doing. Right. And then based on the characters that are in that game, you have to know how those characters can function with this map. Yeah. And what possibilities are going to happen. So, I mean, I'm not super, uh, I don't know a whole lot of the characters, but I remember that there's one that can stick something onto a wall and it shoots grenades through the wall. Right. To know that that person's in the game and know what to look for and know how to play around that, plus however many other characters they have and know what they can do. Well, yeah, and like what you're saying with that character, the danger is if you're trying to rescue a hostage, you can murder the hostage with that device. So... You're constantly having to, yeah. And there, there's other maps where there's a guy who can like basically tear through metal walls with, uh, uh, what was that? Basically, it's a it's a breaching charge, but it cuts through metal. But if there's not a lot of walls that they can put metal on, you're wasting that character. And so there is that knowledge and strategy that comes into just choosing your character. Um, but I, I just. Is that really all it takes is variety of gameplay and constant content? Like, is, is that all it takes? Because I feel like there's plenty of multiplayer games that would do that. Like, what what keeps people coming back? That, I don't know. See, I, I would say that that's all it takes. But then you look at, like, the really, really bizarre example, which is Call of Duty. Because yeah. it, like, gameplay cycles are literally a year or two long. Like, yeah. they don't... They design it 
and release enough of them that it doesn't they don't give it a chance to go stale so like in each one of them like the game is what's different it's not the game aspects of the game or updating the game it's literally putting out a new game but even then just that first person shooter shooter twitchy style gameplay can only take you so far which is why i think they experimented with the future stuff so much to just like make it wild and like have a wall running it's like they're just like let's make it twitchier i don't know but even with Call of Duty, like people still play it. Like the gameplay is not that different between each game. To find like... people playing the old ones anymore. Yeah, there's like very, very like tight, close knit groups of people, like niche gamers, right. that play the old games. But it's like the second the new game comes out, everybody just flocks away from the old one and gets onto the new one. But they buy like, the new there's one. There's no, and and it's like. It's it's gonna be a very similar game. Like obviously this this new one will be different because it's going back to World War Two and no longer be a future game. But the last like four or five have been futuristic ish, and so the gameplay hasn't been entirely different. But people still play them, and so why? I don't know. So as far as so like it's a weird it's a weird aspect as far as like long-term multiplayer is concerned because it's kind of long-term multiplayer, but it's not long-term for the game. It's not people have been playing team fortress two for literally 10 years. It's not people have been playing the counter-strike games for years, like dead some survival horror games, getting players that still play online for years. Like it doesn't, makes sense and i think it's because they just constantly pump out a new game every single time because like i think having variety mm-hmm. if you don't do it right can hurt you oh, yeah. and so it's like the assassin's creed when they started doing their online gameplay it's like it was unique but none of the characters did anything different right and so it's like you had a variety of characters but if you don't actually have a variety then it's just Call of Duty's variety, like, yeah, you can have a specific class or, like, just specific loadouts and Mm. change your weapons, but that doesn't affect the game. It's it's outplaying another person, but then the variety comes from game being released and everybody going to this new game that has slightly different play styles. And they, they always have some big thing. So, like, in Call of Duty 4, which is the first Modern Warfare, it was modern warfare like it was in the now it was one of the first shooters that took place in our time period yeah everybody was like this is amazing and it was it was a great game but then like immediately with modern warfare 2 it honestly to me it's one of the it's a great game it is a fantastic game story was great it was fun blah 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 yeah everything but they didn't really anything like their big change was throwing knives like that was their big (laughs) thing like it was weird so so every single time that they've released a game something's changed with black ops you were able to dive so it's like you you were able to go from running and then to prone yeah and it was like a dive like that and then they had like the little rc cars (laughs) they had like little tiny things true war has rc cars 
They do. So like they <laughs> they released like tiny, 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 tiny little updates to change the gameplay with every game. And since the game's only out for like a year before you're buying a new one, and like even then you have like the what they like to call the Christmas noobs. So it's like the game releases in November, right? But nobody's really buying the game until Christmas. Yeah. Even then, so it's like now you have. 10 months. You don't even have a full year with the game. And so it's like, they have somehow developed this method to keep their multiplayer from going stale by slightly changing it every year, but they're maximizing money off of it because they're making you buy a new game every year. Like, it's an anomaly to me. So <laughs> so I guess what we're, we're getting out of this is some form of variety that is almost intentionally I don't know like I guess it's just variety that that works like you have to have some form of variety whether it's play style or characters or game discs <laughs> and uh, if if people buy it then just do that and and pour your resources into that I don't know I, I just feel like that's not it but I don't know what there else has it to would be, be variety. There has to be a unique concept behind it. And so, like, Left 4 Dead's unique concept is literally, like, it's humans versus zombies. Right. And that had never been done before. It was completely unique. You get to play as a zombie, and you get to play as a human, and it flops back and forth. And that was, like, that was something special. And then you have Call of Duty, which mm -hmm. is, like, first-person shooter. Variety changes with every game. It's kind of the weird one of the bunch. You have League of Legends, where you have 130 characters. Every single character knows some, does different things. They play a different style. They're strong at some points in the game. They're weak at other points in the game. You have to know what every character does and what items they've built and what those items can allow that character to do just to have a chance at understanding how to play the rest of the game. It's a very and then you have siege. high or high yeah. entry floor. Oh, it's crazy. It's so like... If you if you walk away from League of Legends for a while and they release like an item update and like a couple new characters, yeah. it changes everything. The whole meta shifts, and you're like, I don't know what's happening anymore. So yeah, it, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we've scraped the surface on this discussion because I'm thinking about um, the one game uh, it just came out um, for Honor and why that failed, even though it seems to have three different. I don't know. Uh, I think we'll have to come back to this discussion. Did you hear that, you hear that number? Did you hear that number? Three. It three, had three classes. No, not I three mean, classes. It, three uh, factions, and then classes for oh, each. But I don't know. We'll we'll have I don't to come know back if it was variety enough. There Maybe there not. there has to be some type of like. But that wasn't even people's complaints about I mean, the game. That, there were other the aspects. gameplay has to have some form of like refinement. I think right. as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It has to be fair. It has to be fun. I think that goes without saying. Uh, so could could it could it being like I think that's I think that's kind of maybe that's what it it has to be fun, and then it has to also be varied. Because if it's fun but it's not varied, then it has a great start but a very short life cycle. Whereas I think that's what happened with Assassin's Creed. It's online. Whereas. You know, if you don't have any fun, but it's varied, then no one's going to play it anyways. So I think maybe that's it. Maybe it's just having fun and being varied. But uh, I think I think we're uh, it's time to move on. We've we've talked about this enough. Hey guys, so we we want to take a break real quick and just take a shout out to give a shout out to a friend 
Um, he started his own business called Callian Wax Company. He makes out of his house. That's what he's doing right now. Uh, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, the reason that he wanted to start doing this is because he's always had this passion shutting down human trafficking. Uh, so what he what he's done is he's he's created this candle that you can buy, and 15% of the sales of this candle go to fighting sex trafficking. And it's great. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different amazing scents like vanilla, lavender, my personal favorite, Caribbean teakwood. And and don't think that you're not a candle person. You're totally a candle person. Like during while watching Game of Thrones or like while playing some of my RPGs at night, like I'll light this candle on in the back of my bed and like in my bedroom. And it's just it smells great. It's awesome. Honestly, it's one. Of, I've never really cared for candles all too much, but I love these freaking candles. And uh, they recently just made their first donation to an organization that fights sex trafficking, uh, Traffic 911, and mm-hmm. well, and we wanted to give him a shout out, and we wanted to, you know, help him spread the word a little bit because we like what he's doing, and we hope he keeps doing it. Yeah, and they come in cool. Uh, I think they're tin cans, um, but really well professionally and- looking. There's um, tins and glass jars, and yeah. I mean, you can get the glass jar. It's really nice. Uh, you can even once you're done with the candle, you can clean out the glass jar, and you have a jar. It's mm-hmm. like a mason jar almost. So it's yeah. it's it's good. You can check them out on Facebook at Callian Waxco, or you can see them at www.callianwaxco.com. So um, I have looked at the Creation Club uh, system that Bethesda put out. Uh, which is basically their form of kind of content updates that is made with what are they called fans of the game? I don't uh, fans, players, uh, yeah, just people who who enjoy the content, enjoy the game. Yeah, so people who can make basically modifications, uh, who know how to code, who know how to program stuff. They, uh, you know, modding is a big scene in uh, the game, computer gaming, um, kind of getting into new consoles. And so Bethesda has tried to partner with them and create content that is sold, uh, that is made in part by these kind of freelance content creators and Bethesda's own team. Um, so I decided to check it out because they give you 100 free credits of whatever they call it. And honestly, I was severely disappointed. It the first off, the credits they give you was enough to maybe buy like a reskin for uh, your Pip Boy, your your kind of wrist device on Fallout Four. So that was kind of not even appeasing. And then the rest of the content was basically player models and weapons, and I think that was really it. As of and 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 it, it's a new thing, so it's not like they should have this huge variety and huge library of content. But honestly, looking at it, it looked no more appeasing than any mod that you can get for free from some mods uh, website. And so I was just kind of like, this this doesn't compete with that at all. And sure, they're what they're saying is it's going to be fully compatible with the game where there will be no bugs it won't break the game. It'll work instantly. But honestly, the modding scene is so professional now that there's so many devices that they implement to make it to where it'll work. And you barely have to push maybe four buttons before you even start the game to get it to work. 
And so I'm kind of like this. I don't think it's going to take off. It will take some serious content uh, for it to be even a little bit interesting. But I was disappointed with it. Anything? I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to, to toy with it, but I, I definitely agree that it's like it's better potential to get better. But since it and since it is new, it it kind of has an excuse for not really being flushed out that much. But I think that this weird attempt at doing paid mods isn't the best strategy. They should have started out uh, with may, like, maybe it's. I don't know. I was just gonna say it's like maybe, maybe they've done some sort of market research and this is the best way to like get modding into consoles to start. But I don't know. They should have started out with like a complete world overhaul or maybe uh, a giant quest update mod because skins and character models are like millions of mods and probably almost it's almost like a pay to look pretty system that like mobas and stuff have so it's like you just pay for aesthetics like it's it's almost like that and it's like that's this is an rpg i don't think that this is what we should be going for well especially since it's not like they're developing it any more than what the mods are so it's not like they're having to pay for the servers or pay for um new updates of the game's balancing system. You know, it's just, Hey, we want, we want new content and maybe some money out of this. I think I, I was making any more DLC for it themselves, like official DLC. Right. So maybe this is a way to keep people interacting with the game and prolong its lifestyle because they know that they're not going to be releasing Elder Scrolls Six in a time frame that everybody wants, yeah. so they're just going to like, hey, let's garner some more support for these games that we have a feeling are. I have a feeling that they Fallout Four is dying faster than they expected. Probably, and I think it. They're getting antsy. That's, that's a whole nother discussion, honestly. But yeah, I was just disappointed, and I don't think it competes with mods at all. All right, so let's move on to our uh, next quest. Um. So I was just thinking about this as a few games have come out of early access, which for those who don't know, early access is something that that the PC or the computer uh, online storefront Steam has released that essentially is for games that are in production but are playable. And so companies can put their game into early access where players can purchase it, uh, play it, and basically give feedback to the the game uh, producers and also fund them as they continue to produce the game. Um, and then once they fully release with their 1.0 edition, then it, it becomes an official fully released game on the storefront. And so I was just wondering, as a few games have come out of early access, some with uh, great uh, kind of reputations that you see uh, the kind of the beginning where they were kind of a very bare bones game into a fully flesh game uh, and other games where they came out in early access and have been in early access limbo for forever. I just wanted to talk about, you know, have, have you Josh personally experienced a game that started out in early access, come out fully released and kind of one did, did the, did the fully released product feel like a fully released product 
and or or was it exactly what you wanted for it to happen you saw the development go great and then it came out and it was awesome or were you disappointed like what was your experience with this early access concept i'm i'm look trying to look through my library and see if i even have anything that wasn't early access because mm-hmm. yeah since you play on a laptop mac <laughs> yeah it doesn't really have the best uh Okay, so I guess uh, really the only was Starbound, okay. and I played it in early access since like it was placed on the store. Like I was, I was in Starbound from the get go. So I've gone through all of like the wipes that they've done, uh, but the game got increasingly better and increasingly better and increasingly better. They added a story mode. They added boss battles. Uh, they refined the direction. The way that Starbound functioned at first was actually really weird. Okay. So it was like, the way that you progressed is you did a number of like events or a certain number of things, went and had to build a specific item, and then you built that item on a boss. But it was like kind of a lame boss. I don't. It wasn't anything special. And then. That would allow once you beat that little like boss fight, grant you access to a new like circle, like a new ring. Yeah. And you were able to go to a different part of the universe. And you basically had to just keep doing that to get to different aspects of the universe and progress through. But there was never really like an end game to it. And you were just constantly going to new planets and going to new planets and going to new planets. And it never really felt like there was a place that you could call home. Right. And so like Starbound now they've created like a purpose they've given you a reason to go to other planets but i've mm-hmm. also like kind of fostered this idea of like a home planet okay. and you're trying to go through and get to the center of like the evil and essentially taking out massive evil being mm. and so it's like it has like a direction and a story now albeit not like a very long one so it's like if you were to do like the actual story aspects and then just did the bosses you'd probably be done in like an hour yeah but there's so much that has to happen before you do that and it's just like explore take your time have fun i i think it benefited from early access right so that's the only really experience i have though i've never really been part of a game that's been in early access forever right um so I've played a few early access games. Um, and one thing I feel like for me, and this may just be a personal thing. I played, uh, what game is that? The when you, where you go into space, Kerbal space program. Uh, I played that when it was an early access and it has since come out fully released and a little bit more, uh, since now. But after I played the first 40 hours in early access, the more content they added, it still felt like the same game, just with more stuff. But that honestly made it less appealing to me. And so what I've experienced with a few different early access games is I play it, I really enjoy it uh, while it's an early access. You know, there are games that have been fleshed out enough to where there's enough content to play for a long period of time. But then I'm bored 
you know, I, I've kind of played to my content and then I don't really care to play it anymore. And then it comes out fully released. So I'm like, Oh, okay. This, this should feel like a fully fleshed out game. I open it up and it still feels like the early access game. So there's more content, but the feeling isn't this hyper polished. It honestly, it doesn't feel like a new game. And I think that may hurt early access games where you play it when it's in early access. It's really cool. You're excited for it. But by the time it's fully released, eh, you've already moved on. And so I just wonder, is that something that will affect early access games in the future where they run out of steam by the time they've released? I think it could happen. I, I, I think that if you if you have a concept and you're rolling with it and it gets kind of popular, everybody already had their fun. Say you have like a fun idea, mm-hmm. and you're 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 kind of working on it, but you're not refining it as you should be, and you're not adding to it enough, or you're not you're not working on it a good enough time span to like release it. Once you get to the point where you want to pull it out of early access and actually release the game, yeah. If everybody's been in there and has already had all their fun, and the game from when it was created to the game when it's actually released hasn't really changed you're not going to see a successful release right it's it, you've you've released the same game in early access like when it started yeah and I, like the other game i played that came out of early access is prison architect and that's a really cool game got a got a lot of updates really uh deserves to be a fully re- and it is it's a fully released game uh but it kind of had the same detriment where added more content really became a it honestly was better that the more content came out because it made it because basically you're building a prison and so the more content they added the more it felt like a living breathing prison the problem was the ui and the the just the the interface that you deal with like the menus and stuff never felt like this fully production release. Like when you open up the game, there's no fanfare. There's no kind of title cards. It's just like, okay, here's the menu. And, and honestly it kicks you into this bare bones uh, prison land that you can basically start playing the game instantly, which is kind of cool. But it also makes it feel like the game started without you. And it's kind of like, okay, let's get this over with type thing. And I'm like, this is a fully released game. It should start out with this loading menu. And I know they, they released it on the Xbox. And so it has all that. But the the PC version, which is what they started with, doesn't, and so it's just weird sometimes uh, when games, you know, come out, and I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times they don't feel different. They just feel like there's more, which some people may love. So I guess I guess with early access to full re- release, if you're a fan of the game and you play it and it's kind of your game, I'm sure it's be- the great thing. You know, a great, the greatest thing ever. Uh, but if you play in early access and you never play it again, well, I guess, I guess they got your money. So, I, you know what? I guess as long as it's good, it's a good game. So I, I don't know. I don't really have any complaints. It's just, it was just something I thought would be cool to talk about. Um, but let's go ahead and quickly move into our uh, final main quest of the day. Um, I just wanted to talk about the the game Dying Light. Um, it was released, you said, in 2015, correct? Yeah, January 27th, 2015, so two and a half years ago. Game came out two and a half years ago, and 
I'm I just started playing it a couple months ago. I think it's a fantastic game. Yeah. But just a couple weeks ago, news came out that the company, because of the response and and the continued players, player support, uh, and just player base, they are actually releasing a year's a full year worth of content free. And so I just really want to look back at this game, kind of its journey, um, and kind of just talk about it for a while, maybe even gain some exposure for it. Because honestly, it's one of those games that you don't see talked about a lot, even though it's it's still alive. So I don't know, just what kind of put it to kind of put it into perspective, like of how this game has how how it's developed. So it's like survival horror games; they're fun. And they, they like they come out, they you can have their fun with them. Like there are really good survival horror games like The Last of Us and Dying Light's a great one. Uh some of the Resident Evil games are really good. Um uh, Silent Hill has always been viewed as one of like the greatest games out there. Uh <laughs> Dead Space was also like the first and second Dead Space games were fantastic games. Uh but the the magnitude of Dying Light is actually super weird because a survival horror game, like I like I kind of started the idea earlier. It's like it's a really fun game. Their perks of like being exciting and scary and intense, but people don't really stick around for very long. Right. So like with a with a survival horror game, you usually play it through, you beat the story because like figuring out the end and getting to the end and figuring out what happens, it's like a lot of the times that's that's the pull for a yeah, survival survival horror game. Like that's you want to figure out what's going on, what's the scary thing that's happening, and get to the bottom of the mystery. And who's or the evil scientist survive, that did it? Like <laughs> get to the get to the bottom of what's happening, or just like survive the story. So like yeah. with the Last of Us, it's like survive. That's that that was basically the the, the overwhelming thing there. Right. But with Dying Light, it's so different because it's a survival horror game, but it's almost like an open world rpg where you can do different quests all over the place and you're just like you're basically playing a free-running rpg in a survival horror landscape and so different and then also it's like when it was released they had when it was released two years ago their active player base was like seven hundred thousand, mm-hmm. which is for a survival horror game, that's big. Yeah, it's like, not bad. playing it online, I'm pretty sure Last of Us and Dead Space and any other game that had multiplayer survival horror, like, I don't think their player base was anywhere near that. And then, two and a half years later, their online consistent player base is still at like 500,000 people. For a survival horror game to last this long, it's... Honestly, I don't think I've seen it before. Yeah. Other than like Left 4 Dead, but I don't really count it as the same kind of game. Yeah, it's a very different style. So it's I... crazy what the game has been able to accomplish in right. itself, being what it is and what it does. Yeah. So I started playing the game only a couple months ago. Um, I remember hearing about it when it came out. I remember the release trailers and stuff. So here's what happened, really. Uh, the team that made it were also the team that made a game called Dead Island, and it was basically the precursor to this. And it was very similar game. Anybody who hasn't played it is like, imagine 
playing Borderlands in the zombie apocalypse on an island. That's yeah. Dead Island. <laughs> yeah, you're on an island full of zombies, and you can craft yeah. weapons and kill them. Um, it it wasn't met like Dead Island was not met with great reviews. It was considered cool and all, really interesting concept. But one of the things that killed it was the trailer. One of the trailers released was a far cry experience from what the game actually was. But uh, I was after seeing the gameplay, I wasn't too interested. It looked a bit cartoony, literally, because the the graphics were kind of a. Uh, I don't know what to call. It wasn't like cell shaded or anything, but it wasn't like this grimy, realistic look. It was kind of it was kind of gamey looking, which is fine. Just wasn't my my taste. So when I saw that. Uh, Dying Light, the trailer for it, I was like, oh, great, another zombie island game. You know, that was, that. oh, with crafting, like, okay. Uh, so I never really touched it. And then a couple months ago, I started seeing a few things on the internet just talking about how cool it was. I think it was whenever the free content for a year was released, the the the, the announcement. I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And the game is so good because, one of all, there's free running, and free running is always fun in a game. Uh, but it's also a bit more grounded in reality. Graphics-wise, it feels more like they were trying to get you to feel like you actually live there. Um, the The themes and content is a bit more adult, as in you're dealing with people dying, you're dealing with people losing their families. There's actually some really great uh, side missions where you're dealing with people dealing with lost loved ones or, or trying to get medication. But I just feel like there was so much content and, and, and the progression of the game is really deep. Like when you first start out, you're this wimpy, wimpy dude who can barely kill a single zombie. Um, but now once you've played through the game, you are one of the, like you can kill zombies whenever you want, however you want. Like you've got swords and guns and you are basically a hardcore killer. And what's great about it is people acknowledge that. They're like, Oh, you're that guy? Oh man, we need your help. You know, you're like, Okay, I'm the hero. And so I've just had a blast playing it, even though kind of the timing of it being released was probably not the best. Uh it really stands out as a unique game. Really, like it's it combines so many great elements of gameplay all into one and sets it in a survival horror zombie world that it was just enough to break through that staleness of the zombie craze that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like so I've I've kinda I, I tuned out slightly because I was actually I was kind of looking into Dying Light versus Dead Island and like <laughs> looking at the stuff. Well, because I was I was I was was kind of intrigued as to like what the uh what like critical reception of them both was right and so there the critical reception was actually somewhat similar oh, uh dead island was not as massively not as massively reviewed so like i'm looking at just like a wiki right now and dead island had like maybe four or five review scores mm-hmm. the uh the highest score it had on metacritic was a 71 for both of the consoles and then an 80 for PC, 
Whereas Dying Light is sitting at a 75 for PC and a 74 for both consoles. Mm. And so it's interesting, but overall, like the reviews from like a bunch of the other publications, because that's an aggregator. Right. The reviews from the publications be a little bit more overwhelmingly for Dying Light. Okay. I think I think the Dead Island was also it was a great game. But I think Dying Light just took everything and made it better. Right. Well, and I mean, it's it was, the same team, so they had all their experiences. Yeah. Um, but the, so funny because yeah, the people, so Techland, who created Dead Island and Dying Light, yeah, uh, they were originally set to come in and develop Dead. Dead what? Sorry. So Techland was originally set to go in and create Dead Island Two. Right. And so, like, let's hold on. Let me let me look up the date real quick of Dead Island One. Here's here's a weird time frame. So, Dead Island One was released in 2011. Okay. Dying Light was released in 2015. So, four years to make it. Techland was initially gonna gonna create Dead Island Two, and then they created. They went off with Warner Brothers and made Dying Light instead. Yeah. And so Deep Silver's like, oh crap, who's going to make Dead Island 2? And Dead Island 2 was announced. Like, they were like, we're going to make this in. They've been wanting to make it since the first one came out. Right. Got the, they, they developed the deal to create the game in 2012 and was originally scheduled to be released in 2015. Huh. It's still not released. Well, have you seen the trailer for it? <laughs> like, awesome. Like, the one where he's, like, the guy is, like, working out, and he's blades? running and slowly turning into a zombie. Like, oh, yeah. the trailer was great. Well, it, it's I a far, the trailer. It's a completely different trailer than the uh, original Dead Island trailer, which was this beautiful, reversed uh, story of this little girl and her parents surviving a zombie attack. And then this one's just, like... Yeah, there's zombie carnage and it's kind of cartoony and kind of funny and and there's this guy jogging and he's oblivious to it all and it's almost like they accept the fact that it probably wasn't taken as seriously as that trailer did, so they wanted to kind of say, "Hey, we're we're not trying to fool you this time. Like, we want you to have fun with this game." And um I don't know. Do you think do you think Dying or Dead Island 2 will even compare to Dying Light? I don't know. I think if so, like, one of the problems I had with Dead Island was that so I love Borderlands. And, like, don't get me wrong, I will stand by this game, is that it's so hard to play Borderlands by yourself. Yeah, It's such a fun game, but you just get overwhelmed by crazy amounts of people and, like, that deal a whole bunch of damage, and it becomes really, really difficult to progress through the game without taking forever in every encounter. And one thing that was hard about Dead Island is like you could either choose zombies level up based on location, or you could choose to have zombies level up like a, a slow progression, or you could have the zombies level with you. Right. And in a way, like when you were going through by yourself and you were the only so like you could pick from four characters, like in Borderlands. Yeah. And so if you were going through by yourself though, the game just got so hard. Like it felt impossible like i never beat dead island one because 
it got to the point where I couldn't progress. Like, I don't know if I just needed to like walk back and go search around somewhere else and build up a of weapons before proceeding any further. But it seemed like I died really fast, and I just couldn't do damage to anything. Like, the zombies would become harder and harder and harder yeah. and harder to kill, and it was just it was annoying. And I couldn't get past it. And so if Dead Island 2 continues to do that, be successful. Because I think everybody will look at Dying Light and oh, still yeah. consider it the better game and nobody will go to it. Yeah. Because Dying think... Light, like, it becomes harder by throwing you into different situations. Yes. Yeah, the story like, guides it's a zombie. you very well. It's going to die like a zombie, and it's not going to be harder and harder and harder to kill a specific zombie. Right. But the story puts you in harder and harder situations. Well, and a great way they do that is that nighttime, normal zombies, they don't really change. But there are different types of zombies that come out at night that aren't out during the day and that are a lot harder to kill and a lot faster and a lot scarier. And Terrifying. So- they're, they're to the point to, where I do not go outside at night in that yeah. game unless I have to. Yeah, same, <laughs> same here. Um, and so it, it's really cool in the fact that they, they designed the game around the zombies themselves, at least after the first part of the game, they're not the issue. It's it's the rest of the world. And uh, But I hope I hope Dead Island 2 is a, is a completely different game. I hope they go kind of with the kind of campy, cartoony, Maybe even just chaotic fun. I hope they make it just this. I hope it's not even a survival game. I hope it's like a chaotic fun. Zombie. All of Duty Dead Island Two. Sure. <laughs> I think I think they would do better sales that way. I think they would get better uh, reception that way. And it would be cool to have different, a new zombie game on the market that is different from trying to be Dying Light or even the original Dead Island. But we'll see. Or um, Dead Rising. Like if it if it's yeah. so Dead Rising is a similar way. Yeah. I mean if it if it can differentiate itself from like the big three or the big four, which are like Left for Dead, yeah. Dying Light, Dead Island, kinda, and then Dead Rising, if it can get away from those three and be its own unique thing, it'll be a it'll be a successful game. I think it'd be cool if they introduced superpowers into Dead Island too. Uh, just light toyed ar- dying light toyed around with that, and I you weren't there for it, but it was great. So it was, oh my goodness, it was in 2016. Okay. No, wait, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, no, it was still, it was still in 2015 when this happened because I was still living at that one apartment. So the game releases in January. On April Fool's Day, <laughs> is they were like, "Hey, so you know how you have to take a uh, take medication to keep from turning into a zombie because you got bit? Well, there was a bad batch of medication, and <laughs> we're experiencing some really, really weird side effects. So, yeah, have fun with that. And so, for the twenty-four hours of April Fool's Day." All melee attacks, which included attacks with melee weapons, punching, mm-hmm. and drop kicking and kicking, were amplified by like ten. Yes. Oh, that's you're amazing. basically you're basically running around, and so like when you when you're running around on building to building in the normal game, yeah. you drop kick a zombie. That zombie's gonna fly like maybe three four feet, and he'll fall off the building or he'll go a little a little ways and like hit something. When this was active, 
if you drop kicked a zombie, that zombie went two or three blocks. Nice. Like you <laughs> hit that zombie and that zombie was gone. Like Team Rocket is blasting off again. Oh, it was hilarious. Like I I played probably for five or six hours that day, just running around hitting zombies because it was hilarious. It was just so funny. And yes. if, if if Dead Island 2 but that was like the core concept of the game where it's just like this ridiculous, absolutely chaotic gameplay, I'd buy it. Oh, yeah. I would definitely <laughs> buy it. The story could like... probably suck, and I'll buy it. Oh, yeah. Just because it'd be fun to play. Yeah, like maybe even give you like lightning out of your hand. Basically, take uh, that one game where you shoot lightning. B-movie. Make, it, make, make this story for Dead Island 2 as cheesy and crappy as a B-movie yes. and make the gameplay absolutely ridiculous. So it's kind of like Just Cause. You cannot take any of those stories seriously ever. Right. But the gameplay is ridiculous. Like in Just Cause 2, you could crash a car off of a mountain and it would explode and then you can get out of it like nothing happened. Like, it's ridiculous. Make so it- like, do something like that, but with zombies. And Oh, it'd be so much fun. Just Cause meets the later years of Saints Row meets Infamous meets Dead Island. That so what I'm I would buy. What I'm getting is a survival horror game. <laughs> no, no survival, no horror. Just no, no. So like, I I I think that their weapon system still needs like they still need like degradation and yeah, yeah, yeah played out too much can be annoying so they need degradation crafting like finding supplies like the core elements of a survival horror game but with the wacky just absolute insanity of the saints row games mixed with the nothing makes sense as just cause yeah i'd buy it and then the superpowers from infamous yeah all right I think I think that's enough for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, come back next week, and we hope to get we hope to see you guys again. And have a have a great rest of your day. Have we love you. Yeah, not that's too early. We haven't hit Halloween yet. <laughs>